But tonight, man, I'm excited. We're going to be closing out our basic series. Has this series been a blessing to your life? Amen. If you missed any week, please join our podcast, Search NBYA. I call this message right at the top of your notes. Anybody taking notes tonight? We take notes. By the way, I don't usually dress um, kind of uppity. I'm usually kind of like chill. Um, but my father at 6 p.m. earlier today, he was sworn in at City Hall as the new chaplain of the Kissimmee Police Department. Hello. So if you need a ticket, he can't bail you out. He'll just pray for you, all right? He'll, he'll pray the crap out of that ticket, all right? Um, not so funny. It's okay. Um, so, yeah, I called this sermon last week of basics, man. Uh, man, week one comparison kills. Week two, John Lorenzo, memorials. Your past can either break you or build you. It's your choice. Week three, wells. Week four, services the secret. Tonight, write the message at the top. Manage the pressure. Manage the pressure. Every time you're in church, I promise you, it's better when you take notes. So you don't leave with a bunch of feelings. You leave with some good ideas to walk with, to hold on to. Anytime we mention a verse, go home and read the chapter, right? Just, just Jesus says a prayer. They asked Jesus, his disciples, right? They weren't like real religious people. He picked up tax collectors, which were like modern day thieves. He picked up random fishermen on the street and asked them to follow him and become disciples. Those are the disciples, literally random people on the street that said yes to following Jesus. They cornered Jesus, the disciples, they're like, yo, we've been hanging out with you, and we see that right before you do miracles, right before you do amazing things in the spirit, you're praying. And we know the secret is prayer. We know that. Like, because of what happens in private, you're confident in what goes on in the public. It's because you've got the secret to prayer. What's the secret? Teach us how to pray. You see in scripture, it says, they ask Jesus, teach us how to pray. And amongst that prayer, which some of you guys learned by heart probably growing up, he, he gives this, give us this day our daily bread. What, what does that really mean? It means that every day we got to eat. Every day we got to eat. I promise you, this, this is so real over your life. You are what you eat. I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about what you listen to. I'm talking about what you're watching. I'm talking about what you're consuming. How much of this world is all about giving you content that you don't even ask for? But watch this. The more you consume, the more you become. And it's the same thing with the Spirit. It's the same thing with the things of the Lord. Man, go home, read the Bible, pray. And our podcast, we, we did a series earlier this year. We called it This Is What We Do. We said we're going to pray, we're going to read the Bible. Because all of us in here, listen, one hour on a Tuesday night is not enough. One hour on a Tuesday, two hours on a Sunday, and one hour at Hope Group. Listen, that's not enough. We need daily bread. We need the Holy Spirit for every single moment of our lives. Do I have any faith people in the house tonight? Come on. So, man, go home and read the chapter. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, it's your New Testament, the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Why is it called Ephesians? Because this is a very real city. The city is called Ephesus. And Paul the Apostle is actually writing this book. He's not just writing it. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's what we believe in Scripture. All of Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So Paul is here. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. And, oh, man, come on, manage the pressure. This is what he says. Listen, to put off your old self. Ooh, that could preach right there, can it? Some of y'all could just go home right there. Put off my old self. Thank you, Jesus. I'm out. I'm going home. <laughs> that joke went nowhere. My wife laughed, though, so it's good. 
Put off your old self. I pay here to laugh. Just kidding. Your old self. Put it off. Put it away. Which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. God is saying, through the Apostle Paul, what is God saying? Next idea. God is saying, put off, yet you and I sometimes put on. When you confess Jesus as Lord and you say yes to Jesus, you put off your old life and you take on a new one. You put off who you used to be and you take on righteousness. You take on forgiveness. You take on the mercy of God, which equips you and empowers you to live a life you've never even seen before. See, God's saying to put off through the Apostle Paul, yet sometimes you and I put on. Sometimes we come to church and we take off our stress. We come in church and we're not for me. And some of us turn up in here. And some of you guys don't know why people turn up. It's because God taking them from so much. All we, all we can do is just give it all, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? So you drop off your stress and not for a minute. And you leave and you put stress back on. Or, or sometimes you walk, you walk into the doors, you take off the struggle that you, you're, 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 you're all up in. And it's not a struggle because you're letting it win. We got to really redefine the word struggle. Struggle is I'm trying, not I'm sleeping with what I'm struggling with. I'm in bed with it. I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. It's not a struggle. But sometimes you and I, we walk in here, and we take off our struggle, and we walk back out of here, and we put the same struggle back on. Sometimes you and I, we, we come in here, we, we take off anger. We take off bitterness. We take off unforgiveness. We take off all these things. And yet, we're so quick sometimes to put all that junk right back on. But God is saying, listen, church, to be something you've never been before, you got to do things you've never done before. Take it off and leave that in the past. Because guess what? What does it say in Ephesians? Come on, let's go back to the verse. It says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. It's corrupt. Can I tell you this? The next idea, listen, the pressure of growth is real. The pressure of growth is real. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. That God's calling you to grow, but what happens when you go three months and you haven't grown a bit? What happens when you go service by service, uh, meeting by meeting, gathering by gathering, and you're still in a life of sin? You're still in a life of disobedience. Can I let you know, if you don't choose Jesus daily, what makes you think in the big moments of life you'll choose Jesus too? If every day you're choosing other things than Jesus, what makes you think that at the end you'll break a habit that you haven't broken yet? And God's like, hey. I want you to put off who you used to be, put off those desires, put off those things, and start walking and looking like my children. Put it off and keep it off. And there's pressure to that. But I came to encourage you. You're not going to fold under the pressure. You're not going to crumble under the pressure. You're not going to collapse under the pressure. You're going to manage the pressure. Because God, if he brought you to it, come on, thank you, Natasha. He'll bring you through it. If he brought you to it, I promise you, you're strong enough, not off your own strength, but in the strength that comes from him. 
And he says, and you will make it through, and you will accomplish this, and you will push through, not by your might, but by my spirit. But isn't it funny that God asks for your help? He says, put it off, though. Put it off. Put it off. I love as the verse continues. It says, your deceitful desires, if you're going to keep reading. It says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So to put on my old life is against what God wants me to do. He wants me every day to put on my new, my new life. Every day to put on something new. I promise you, when you wake up in the morning, some of y'all got to literally, physically just put on forgiveness on you. Like, like you're not really putting on a jacket, but before you leave the house, you got to look at the mirror and say, grace and forgiveness is over you. You are equipped and empowered to be holy in the world around you. I'm going to put on Jesus like my lovely little coat. I got all cute. I got all pretty. I look handsome, but I can't leave this place without the promises of God all over me. I am am living, breathing Jesus to the world around me. I'm a reflection of my creator. I'm I'm a reflection of my creator. And and I'm going to take this opportunity I have to walk this thing out. I'm trying to encourage you, church, manage the pressure. Yeah, there's pressure, but you can manage it. We've been saying this quote a lot in church. We've been saying it so much, and and, and I really believe we're never going to stop saying it. It, it, we've preached it, we've preached it, and it's this idea here. Go ahead. If you never heard it, write it down. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. Oh, that'll, that'll help you when the enemy wants you to live a life of stagnation, when the enemy wants you to be comfortable with what's going on in your life, when the enemy wants you to just put it on park and hang out. No, 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 no. I'm not going to stop here. Just because I haven't reached my destination doesn't mean I'm going to be lazy and stay right here. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm definitely not where I used to be. I let that go. I dropped that thing. I dropped that person. Hello. I made a decision. I made I made a choice, and God's been behind me. He's been backing me up. He's been pulling me forward, and I can't stop here. Yes, I'm not there. Yes, I'm not okay, but I'm not where I used to be. And the enemy, watch this, the devil, right, the enemy after your soul, he's okay with you being in church if you're not growing. He's okay with you being here if you're not really devoted to Jesus. Because, listen, the Bible says, Jesus says this in the book of Matthew, in the last day, many will cry, Lord, Lord. And Jesus can be like, bro, I don't even know who you are. So, so what is the battle of? It's the battle of your heart. And am I going to manage this pressure, manage this tension to say, I haven't reached everything I want to reach, but I'm going to keep on walking. I'm going to keep on walking. See, sometimes you and I, we see work, and because the work is so much, we'd rather not do anything at all. Actually, can we put the picture up? This is a picture, and if you ran track and field, can you make some noise up in here? Do we have any swimmers? Anybody that's swimming in high school? No one. Okay. Anybody was a cheerleader in high school? All right. No one did nothing, right? We just went to class and left. We hated it. Get me out of here as quick as possible. I'm not seeing for practice. I hate you, coach. All right. 
tra- so imagine, imagine, right, we all walked out of here right now. We all walked out. And all right, guys, three miles, all of you, let's go. <laughs> so y'all like, let's go. Some of y'all like, what? I knew this was that type of church. They crazy. So let's imagine we all ran those three miles, right? We all ran it some three minutes, five minutes, 30 minutes, right? Hour and a half. Anyways, we run those three miles eventually. And then we get back to the starting line. And by the time we got back, I set up 100 hurdles. And I'm like, all right, y'all. Now you got to jump the hurdles. Because of what lies ahead, some of us won't even start. Because of all of the jumping that lies ahead, I'd rather not. Some of y'all know, just by getting, like, you're looking at the first hurdle, you're like, okay, I'll definitely get my first foot over, but my back foot definitely going to hit that thing right upside the top. Some of y'all are like, I get the, my leg over, but my back leg is just a little, a little lazy. So I'm going to hit my left leg on the first one. My chest is going to slap against the second one, and then my neck is going to snap on the third one. And I may graze the fourth one with my hair, but I don't know. <laughs> that joke worked better at the seven. Anyways. And, and some, listen, I'm, I'm really trying to help you spiritually because you've got a bunch of things God wants you to do. But because you see everything he wants you to do, because you know the, the, the length that God can take you, and because it, it's hard and there's pressure, you and I, sometimes we'd rather stay where we're at instead of moving into a life of obedience to God. But I want to encourage you, hey, one hurdle at a time. Today, jump one hurdle. Be obedient with God with what he's given you. Be a good steward to what God's given you. Be fruitful in your relationships. Be good to people. Love God. Seek him. Seek his kingdom. Don't just worship at church. Worship at home. Don't just pray at church. Pray at home. Build up that fire. Start it up. And the next day, there's another hurdle. And you'll see, after every day of being obedient to God, you'll look back at life one day. That's how you know you're a leader. One day you're looking back and there's a lot of people following you. Say, hey, you know how to jump right. You know know how to pace yourself. You know how to get back up even if you've fallen at that hurdle today. And you're not intimidated by failure because we don't fail backwards. Come on, in the church, we fail forwards. I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to get better from this. Let me give you this idea. Listen, you and I want to hurdle through life, and if we can't finish fast, sometimes we don't run at all. You and I, we want to hurdle through life, and if we can't finish fast, we sometimes don't run at all. Listen, this isn't about who becomes, who's saved and becomes a pastor the quickest. That's not what it's about. I'd rather you have a life-giving relationship with Jesus than to run through all the hoops of the church and end up still broken. That one hit different because no one said amen. I was like, oh, that wasn't me. And it's like, hey, this is basics. What the heck are you talking about? I'm talking about being obedient with what's in front of you, managing the pressure. And relationships, there's pressure. And it means different for all of us, and we'll get to those. But understanding that every day is an opportunity for me to take this hurdle and to just do one step. Celebrate. That's why we got to get into a hope group so that we can celebrate your steps. I, I remember two weeks ago, it was amazing. It was amazing. I almost cried in my group. One of my dogs was like, Bro, I went 24 hours without being high. We're like, Let's go! 
Let's go. Let's go. Dapped him up. We're praying for you. We're believing for you. Let's freaking go, dog. Now we're going for 48. Celebrate the steps. Sometimes I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. Celebrate the steps. Some of you guys need people in your life to celebrate with you. You need people around you to say, hey, we're pushing you forward. We're with you. We're with you. Let me give you this. Listen, if you're single, manage the pressure of self-discovery. If you're single in the room, if you're single, can you make some noise? Hey. Some of y'all sitting next, sit next to someone cute. You're like, ah! Woo! Single! <laughs> Man, if you're single, you got to manage the pressure of self-discovery. Who are you? What makes you tick? How did God wire you? How did he design you? What is it about you that makes you different? Because your fingerprint is different than mine. Twins have different fingerprints. <laughs> Even twins, identically the same on the outside, still have different wiring on the inside. Who are you? What are your gifts? What are your talents? What are your strengths? Watch this. What are your weaknesses? Self-discovery. Saying, I'm going to figure out who I am. I'm also going to figure out what I want. What's the type of girl I want? Hello? What type of girl I want? What type of guy I want? You want them dark? You want them light? How do you like your coffee? <laughs> I didn't say that at the seven. Dark, light. You like it strong? You like it sweet? Like, like how do you, like, what do you want? You see notebook? What do you want? Take your notebook. Listen, 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 listen. If you're single in here, this is a moment for you to fi find out how many kids you want. That's not weird. Figure it out. It's a moment to find out what you want your future self to look like. What type of father do you want to be? What type of community do you want to be in? What type of workforce do you want to be a part of so that when you come home, you still feel good and you feel like you've done something with your life because you're in something. Y'all here tonight? If you're single, work on yourself and find out what it is that makes you tick. Because here's the thing. Sometimes we're just attracted to people who are moving. But they're a different vehicle. So you're a skateboard, right? Kick, push. I love that song. And your partner's a bike. Y'all going to get to the same location a lot differently and at different times. Even though you're still moving, even though they're saved, even though they're pretty, even though they're gorgeous and anointed, even though he's on stage and she's serving, it does not matter. Who are you and where are you headed? And is my life headed the same direction that yours is headed? We may be on a journey of moving, but we may be completely different vehicles. This is your moment to figure out who you are. Thank you, Drake. Know yourself. Who are you? For some, who, for some of y'all single, go home tonight, write down all your strengths, write down all your weaknesses. And watch this, ready? And then give it to your best friend. <laughs> They'll be like, strength? Liar. That's your weakness. You got the list all off, dog. <laughs> Get some people around you. Life's a group project, by the way. Life's a group project. In the church, even in the church, you're not called to do this thing alone. That's why we do groups. That's how we disciple you. 
Know yourself. Oh, I want to give you this one. Love yourself. Love yourself. How can someone love you forever if you don't love you? How? The bishop, T.D. Jakes, you know what he says? And I'm going to try to give it to you the way he do. I'm going to you know, the way Jakes does it. I heard him say this, like, I think a week ago, about a week ago. He goes, <clears throat> I'm going to try to give it, in my opinion, he's the greatest preacher ever, all right? It's just me. Uh, he goes, he goes, you don't love yourself. And I'm like, ooh, wow, deep. He goes, you know how I know? Because one day you ask your spouse or your girlfriend, do you love me? And they go, yeah, girl, I love you. Or, yeah, boy, I love you. Two days later, you ask him again, do you love me? You asked me that question two days ago. Yes, I love you. Two days later, but do you really love me? The bishop, this is how he says it. And here's what it is. You've got holes inside of you. So everything that's poured into you ends up slipping right back out. So what you need from people sometimes it's a confirmation of what they could put inside of you. Instead of understanding what God has already put in you, that he loves you, that he's proud of you, that he's for you, that he forgives you, that he lifts you up with his righteous hand. Oh, I wish I had a believer in the room that believes that God is real, he's in you, he loves you, and you have the ability to love yourself. Sometimes you and I, we, we, it's, hard. it's hard to move out of that. We just need validation from other people. Listen, you're validated by God right here, right now. You're a well, not a lemonade stand. You're a well. You're a well. You're a well. You're a deep being. It's deeper than flesh. You're deep. You got to love yourself. Can I get an amen tonight? Listen, if you're dating, so that's if you're single, hey, know yourself, love yourself, get it right. If you're dating, right, so you're going out with people and you're testing the waters, not physical waters, Am I, am I speaking to a church tonight? But you're, you're saying, what type of person are you? I really believe this. Hold on to this. The people you date should probably end up in your wedding one day. How does that happen? By you being safe enough to back away at the right time. Being cautious enough to back away at the right time. And when you back away, it's not, yo, let me tell you what this girl just did. No, it's, 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 she's awesome. She's just not for me. He's great. No, he's great. Because he, he, he believes, like, he's, he's awesome. And he's just, ah, not my type. But, hey, that's how your dating life should be. I'm so against you breaking up with someone and they're becoming your worst enemy. I'm not talking about breaking up boyfriend, girlfriend. That's because that, I understand that sometimes. If they wrong you, but you still need to forgive them. I'm talking about in the dating phase. Like, it's not official. Like, they're not on your gram yet. You know what I'm saying? They're not even on your stories yet. Oh, none of y'all on social media? You ever put someone on the gram too quick? Like, damn, I got to already delete that picture. <laughs> dating is before that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't. When you're dating, they're not on your gram. It's unofficial. I'm here getting coffee with you, and now I realize that your breath stinks. So I'm always mean with these examples, and you guys always get hurt. But it's theoretical, guys. It's a theoretical date. That's when you're like, oh, your laugh is crazy. You're crazy. 
when you're dating, you got coffee. You know, I'm not talking about you dress up nice, like, hey, we're dating. No. I want to talk to you. I want to get to know you interpersonally. Commun- like, I want to know, like, short-term goals, long-term goals. What's up? We like each other. We're attracted. But I still want to know who you are. That's dating. Listen, when you're dating, you got to manage the pressure of patience. Manage the pressure of patience. The patience of what? What do you need patience for? Patience of discovery. Playing the long game. No one in here is easy. Anybody in this room, you got to work hard to get. Right now, I'm, I'm saying that in the name of Jesus. Because you're not a lemonade stand. You're a well. Filled with the living water of Jesus. So man, patience in figuring out who this person is. Patience in date after date after date after date. To the point that after the fifth, sixth date, if it's not working and it's just not clicking, you're able to safely walk away. You're able to say, hey, you're just not for me. But I don't know what you look like naked. You know what I'm saying? Like doing it in such a safe way. I wish I had a church in here tonight. Doing it in a safe way where you could back up and say, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to really gonna make this great that if we don't end up in a relationship, we just end up friends. The patience in waiting, waiting to have sex till marriage. That's another part of patience. That's another pressure to say, we're going to wait till marriage. We're going to wait. We're going to jump into marriage, and that's going to be the first time we have sex. And we're going to love it, and we're going to show each other off, and we're going to show each other we're going to have fun. I'm telling you, like, Having sex in marriage is like the funnest thing ever. Outside of marriage, it's a competition. You guys with me? Because that's how God designed sex to be with two people who commit to go forever with. and, And culture today says have sex and then decide if you want that person later. The culture's flipped it around. Some of us, your parents probably even taught you, hey, you're going out, do you have a condom? And it's like sometimes we try to test the physical waters before we even get to know the person. And you're wondering why you give some, something out to yourself, someone else something else, someone else something else. And you're left feeling empty. And you're left feeling void. And you're worse than when you started. I came to give you the voice of heaven tonight. You are a well. You can manage the pressure of patience. You can do it. Yes, you can. You're strong enough. What's a Christian without self-discipline? What's a Christian without self-discipline? What's what's a Christian without self-control? Know yourself. Love yourself. Let me give you this. Listen, dating is not the moment in time to have the most faith in someone. Let me explain. Pastor, so my boyfriend... He a Latin king. You know what that is? He's in a gang. Got to educate sometimes, right? It's that street knowledge. So my boyfriend, he in a gang. But I got faith in him, though. I got faith. One day, Pastor, one day, he going to turn around. Hear me well, church. When you're dating, that is not the moment to have the most faith in somebody. That's not the moment. You know when you need the faith? When you're married and your wife or your husband does you dirty. 
You need faith to believe that the covenant that you guys made before God and man will stay stronger, it'll get better, and you'll give forgiveness because you've been given forgiveness. That's when you need faith. Not when you're dating. Boy, back up. Girl, get out of my face. Because you're leading me away from Jesus. Some of us are so close to people that we can't even see Jesus. When you're dating, that's not the moment to have faith in somebody. That's the moment to pack your bags and run for the exit. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. Some of y'all never heard this preached ever. And it's setting you free tonight. Setting you free. I'm going to hit this for a little bit. If you're engaged, listen, manage the pressure of just making it happen. Financial planning. Wedding planning. What's going to just manage that pressure. It's good pressure. I remember days up before I got married, it was, I remember like, oh, my God, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. Baby, everything okay? Yeah, everything's okay. Like, why can't I breathe right now? Because it's just pressure. But, man, it's good pressure. It's good pressure. Because you're not just doing anything. You're doing probably the most important thing you'll ever do. Commit to someone for life. Amen? And if you're married in the room tonight, listen, manage the pressure of serving daily. That's your pressure. Dying to yourself every day. And that's why when you're single, you got to know who you are. Because how can you die to someone that you're not? How can, you, how can you submit yourself to someone when you don't even know who you are? And that's what marriage is, saying, hey, I'm going to die to myself daily, and I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. And help you. If I'm hungry, you won't be. If I'm cold, you won't be. And I'm going to serve the crap out of you. Weird wording, I know. Amen. We're going we're gonna to finish tonight right here on this verse, and we're going to do a little bit of worship. I'm telling you, next week's going to be insane. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, I, I want to give you this idea. We're going to really preach on it next week. So come next week for, like, the completion of this idea. But it says in 2 Corinthians, this is, again, Paul the Apostle writing to the church in Corinth, right? It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, quick check, is anybody in Christ in the room tonight? Anybody in Christ? Just checking. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The old is passed away and the new has come. Here's my last idea of the night. And we're really going to preach this next week. God always works in covenant. And with his covenant comes his government. God always works in covenant. Tonight, I believe some friends in here are going to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. That's a covenant. Listen, and with that covenant come, comes God's government. His way of working, his way of living, his way of doing. And listen, that same value applies to your relationships. God's covenant will always come with his government. I really believe the preachers of America are all synced by the Holy Spirit. I really believe it. Like, I'll be making my notes, and I'll see stuff on social media, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Spirit, you're moving. <laughs> you know, you're doing something. The idea I'm about to give you is an original idea yet. 
this example, I, I heard it, and it's, it just confirms it. You see, many, many of us, we grew up in our parents' homes, and we grew up under a covering of, uh, of a parent or a guardian. And, and at some point, you had that conversation, right? At some point, as a teenager, you told your guardian or parent, you said, hey, I want to do something my way. I want to do things the way I want to do them. I want to operate in a way that I want to operate. And you've heard this because I've heard it. They look at you and they say, listen here, mama, papa. If you're in my house, you under my rules. If you go step into this house, once you leave, you leave. But if you, if you say this is your house, it's not really your house. It's my house. And in my house ooh, comes my rules. And I, I hear a prophetic word of the Lord tonight speaking to 1143 Parnell Street right here at the Hope Center. I hear heaven. I hear God speaking to you tonight. Speaking to you, church. Listen, if you want this relationship, if you're in my house, if you're my son, if you're my daughter, I promise you this covenant will come with my government, with my way, with my way, with my way of doing it. And I'll raise you up, and I'll pick you up, and I'll lift you to heights you've never seen. But if you're going to be in my house, you got to do things my way. Many of us have done relationship culture's way. Many of us have dated the way our parents dated. You probably know someone who got married just because they got pregnant. Listen, that's not the way. There's a reason why God has a covenant with you. It's to give you his government and to say, do this right. Do it healthy. Anybody love Jesus in the room tonight? Anybody love Jesus? Amen.